thank you for joining me on the very first markfincham.substack.com podcast with my my esteemed guest, retired Lieutenant Colonel Ivan Raiklin, who um, many people don't know this, but he was a part of uncovering uh, skullduggery in elections in Wisconsin. Um, and in fact, all over the country, he's earned himself the distinction of being on the TSA's let's F with this guy every time he flies list. So um, with, with, with three marshals escorting me in tow every flight. To make sure that you don't step out of line and go into a bathroom or a restaurant and that you make <laughs> it to your plane just after the door closes. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, exactly. um, ladies and gentlemen. They, they took me off of it. For yeah. the last few flights, we'll see what happens on the next flight. But, you know, yeah. whatever. So the, the, the point of this interview, ladies and gentlemen, is to talk about the Fed surrection. There's been a lot of discussion about an insurrection, which now even the FBI has been forced to admit that it was no insurrection um, because so many FBI state actors were involved in the, the actual event, which Ivan's going to help us unpack a couple of things. Number one, what happened leading up to January 6th? which is a date everybody's going to recognize, but it's a statutorily required meeting of Congress to seat electors. Then what happened during January 6th, and then, of course, what happened afterwards, who the players are, um, the legal theories that are behind this, and the timeline that establishes some of the people in government um, may have actually been behind what is commonly known as a coup d'etat. So, Ivan, if you would, could you lay out for us what led up to just before January 6th? And I think you probably want to go back, maybe back to the 1970s as a real quick recap. Yeah, real quick recap. Some data points that you need to consider as you like. I like to come up with my assessments using two key uh, what we call structured analytic techniques. You do a timeline analysis to see trends, and then you also try to overlay that with, if you have the data to support it, a link analysis of the key players, uh, the financial transactions, the in, any indicators and warnings that can help describe a particular hypothesis. If you have geotagged info, that also helps create a geotag kind of a, a, a reference. So in the collective, let me go back to 1973. I'll help paint the picture to essentially explaining all the actors that were involved in the decision-making process on January 6th that helped create what, if you don't know what, if you don't know much French, coup d'etat stands for the violent illegal overthrow of a legitimate authority, or in this case, in the United States, the president of the United States and the executive branch that was legitimate was overthrown. All right, 1973, the uh, junior senator, you got to look at all the people that are currently in positions of constitutional uh, power. So 1973 is a good starting point because the current Chinese Communist Party ambassador squatting in the White House right now is a guy by the name of Joseph Robinette Jeden. He came into power as a junior senator in, in Delaware in 1973, January to be exact, 50 plus years ago. Yeah, it was 50 years ago. And then when he was on the Senate Judiciary Committee, he helped create the FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, 
That was the act that created the FISA court. Seven judges were then were allowed under the original FISA court, which all were appointed by Warren Berger, the judge or the Supreme Court chief judge. By statute, that's who gets to appoint those FISA judges, FISA court judges. Uh, we'll call them FISC from now on, and then the law is called the FISA law. All right, so on the FISC, seven, there were seven appointed by Warren Berger, but to become a Supreme Court justice, you got to do the link analysis of who gets to appoint them. Well, it's the you know, the president in coordination with the Senate Judiciary Committee and the U.S. Senate and the collective, right? Who gets to nominate and confirm the, the, the judges initially, whether it be the Supreme Court judge or any of the district court judges that later became FISA court judges. So Warren Berger was appointed by Nixon. And uh, after that, it was Ronald Reagan and his vice presidential handler was H.W. Bush, who was formerly the CIA director, who basically teed up for Reagan to appoint William Rehnquist. And then after William Rehnquist, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court was Chief Justice John Roberts. And he was appointed by George W. Bush. And his vice presidential handler was the former Secretary of Defense, a guy by the name of Dick Cheney. Next up, you have, well, actually, by that time in 2005, when he was appointed the Chief Judge of the U.S. Supreme Court, the fifth consisted of 11 members because in the Patriot Act, they expanded the, the membership of the fifth from seven judges to 11. And then you had the creation of the Homeland Security Department of Homeland Security. Again, the congressional law that created that expansion of the FISA court and the creation of the Department of Homeland Security was the House and Senate Judiciary Committees. Mike Pence was on that committee in 2001, 10 of the 12 years when he was in Congress from 2001 to 2013. Same time that, guess what? Th those were the same times that, you know, initially anyway, that Cheney Bush became president, vice president. Well, not in that order. You get it. And then Robert Mueller was appointed as the FBI director and was the FBI director appointed by Bush. And he was the director for 13 years, or excuse me, 12 years, same period of time that good old, or 13, that uh, Pence was on the Judiciary Committee, and he and his staff had the responsibility to provide oversight over the DOJ and the FBI. Okay? You see how this is starting to connect, Mark? Yep. You see those names? Yes. So now let's fast forward. I think you're making By a great argument for term limits. Yep. Within the deep state. Absolutely. So by 2005, he's the Supreme Court Chief Justice. By 2012, based on the staggered appointment process of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and the judges, by 2012, every single FISA court judge had been was appointed by Chief Justice John Roberts. Ivan, just a minute. Let's yep. make the clear the clear connection between FISA court and the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Okay. It's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Yep. That was created by Except the 
So many would say by the name, this is a classic misdirection play by Congress. Foreign. Okay, you would think that that means people outside of the United States. Right. The whole purpose of the creation of the court was to create, remember, it was in response to the illegal spying by the FBI against political domestic political opponents. Martin Luther King Jr., the Kennedy yeah. situation, right? All that stuff in the 60s and into so, the 70s. But why use the word foreign if they're looking at domestic? That's the point that oh, I made. Oh, yeah. The reason why it was created was in order to only allow the FBI the ability to use their surveillance tools along with later on the NSA to spy on them. The only way that they could spy on Americans lawfully was to show with reason, uh, with enough evidence using the Woods procedure process to convince a FISA judge that there is reasonable suspicion to go ahead and approve that FISA warrant without, remember, it's ex parte. There's a rotten barrel in the apple. There's a rotten apple in the barrel, and we got to go find it. That's that's the essence of the argument. Right. And the only they, they have to show a nexus between foreign state actors in the form of foreign terrorism or foreign intelligence service communications between a U.S. person. Okay. And so that has so we now to be have, then presented before the FISA judge. We now have Mike Pence is squarely in the in, in this place, along with creepy Joe. What did you say? It's not Biden. It's Bill Eden. Eden. All right. Yeah, the, the CCP ambassador to the U.S. Oh, okay. So we now have those players in place. Let's move on. All right, and as you know, Pelosi's been around for a while, right? A few decades. Uh, yeah, right? so Arizona became a state in 1912. I'm not sure that she's been there that long, but uh, shortly uh, after Arizona became a state, I think she was elected. Is that right? No, I mean, but she's been around for a while. I'm going to focus in on the areas that most people don't, like, look into, especially within our circles. So th those are the actors that I laid out. Remember, so... The judges that are on the FISA court are, are are judges that were appointed by Bush. Oh, was, well, I think early on it was Reagan, Obama, Reagan, Bush, Obama, and then Trump. But here's the deal: in order to understand why no court took on any election case in 2020 and, and beyond. It's because the 300 judges that were appointed by Donald J. Trump, this is how I explain it, by President Trump, those 300 judges, I'll argue that almost all of them were appointed and teed up by those individuals that have a network of friends that would want to be a judge. And guess what? President Trump's network of lawyers don't want to go from seven, eight figures down to six figures to be a, a federal judge. And so he had to rely on a list that came from Heritage Foundation. Think Mike Pence, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan. You get it, right? right. Got so it. Let's, move, 
So the judges that were appointed by Chief Justice Roberts to be on the FISA court, remember, he's the one person that decides who they are. Behind the scenes, it was probably some level of negotiation of who gets to be on that court because that court gets to decide who gets to be spied on under the veneer that, you know, obviously they approve stuff that's legitimate, but for those political targets, you know, it's obviously they have to create the veneer that there's a foreign nexus. This is ultimate power. Ultimate power to spy on your opponents. Yep. 2012, every single one was a Chief Justice John Roberts appointee on that FISA court. So let's fast forward to 2014. I may or may not have been on the Ukraine crisis team in the Pentagon on, at the National Military Command Center while the director of, of the Defense Intelligence Agency was the director by the name of General Flynn. Okay. And then he was told he was speaking truth to power before a congressional hearing the annual threat assessment public, and he's sitting in between James Comey, Jim Clapper, and John Brennan. For those that don't remember who that is, Jim Comey was the director of the FBI, James Clapper was the director of national intelligence, and John Brennan was the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Okay? For short, we call them DNI for Clapper, DCIA as the director of CIA, and, you know, director of FBI, obviously. And you had the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency that basically said, guess what? ISIS ain't a JV team, number one. And number two, this Iran deal is kind of not good for America's national security. And so with that, there's the door, says Obama. You can't be speaking truth to power to me. I want you out. So General Flynn's gone. Next year, 2015, what happens? General Flynn asks Donald Trump, uh, private citizen Donald Trump, if he's serious about running for president. He may have been a candidate by then. And then Donald Trump has a meeting with General Flynn at Trump Tower in New York. Candidate Trump convinces General Flynn at this point retired, that he was serious. And now, do you think that the Republican Party is concerned that somebody that's never been in Republican circles, Trump, now has an advisor that knows the entire deep state apparatus who has been appointed twice by Obama to be confirmed by the Senate 100% as the deputy director of National Intelligence for Partnership Engagement, I believe it was, and then later the Director of Defense Intelligence Agency. Do you think the Republican establishment trusts either Trump or Flynn? Mark? I'm I'm listening. I'm captivated by this because you are laying out the argument for why General Mike Flynn has been persecuted by the deep state and is being bankrupted by people that want to shut him up because he knows where the bones are buried. I'm laying the foundation, and this is all tied to January 6th. So in 2014, he's resigned. He goes on and starts advising Trump. The Republican Party leadership in the form of the Speaker of the House, uh, Paul Ryan, 
and then the chair of the RNC, Reince Priebus, and the majority leader, Mitch McConnell, and then even the comms director over the, actually, the RNC chair, Reince Priebus, I said, and the comms director at the RNC, Sean Spicer, and then the deputy comms director at the RNC, who later becomes the, the first leaker in the White House in the first month or two at the White House. Anyway, we're not going to go into that detail. But let's just say this. They do not trust Flynn. And they don't well, trust why would, whoa, 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 whoa. Why would you not trust a white hat? Who because knows Obama everything? appointed him twice. Okay. And the Democrats don't trust Flynn because he knows everything. All the bodies being buried where they're at. Okay? Because guess what? In 2016, when the conversations were had, this is what I suspect happened. So Trump wins the nomination with 30 to, he basically wins the states by the delegates about 30 to 35 percent so 65 to 70 percent of the republican base does not support him but he still wins the nomination and then the conversation was something like this paul ryan ryan's previous mitch mcconnell sit down and say hey the only way you're going to get the support from the rnc mr candidate trump is if you accept our boy the deep state's fine one your handler, Michael R. R. Pence. If you don't accept the deep state handler, your handler, Michael R. Pence, Ivan. we will work as Hillary wins. Okay, at, wherever you're at, you broke up for the, about the last 20 seconds. So you said something to the effect of Mike, and then you, you broke up. Oh, so when Mike, remember when Trump got the nomination, right, 2016, with about 35% of the support, right? Okay, I think you said Mike Pence. I think you said Mike Pence, correct? I'm back in, I'm back in the game. So, okay. yeah, I said when, when Donald Trump secured the nomination of the Republican Party in 2016, in July of 2016, you had a pickle. The RNC had a pickle because a guy that never been in the political scheme in the RNC is all of a sudden a nomination. They need some leverage over him, right? And the way they create the leverage is to say, hey, Donnie, the only way you're going to get the RNC support to for the general election is if you take on our chosen one, deep state's finest, your handler, Mikey R. Pence. And that conversation was probably had with between Paul Ryan, Ryan's previous as chair of RNC, Senator Mitch McConnell, to basically say, if you don't accept Mikey Pence, guess what? We're not going to support you, and we're going to guarantee Hillary Clinton wins the nomination. So what does Trump have as an option? He really doesn't. He has to accept Mike Pence. Would you agree? Kind of sounds like it. And so what happens... Two weeks later, after Mike Pence is foisted on Donald Trump as his VP pick, two weeks later, Crossfire Hurricane starts. 
And who are those actors? John all, Brennan. All FBI. John, no, you have John Brennan. From oh, yeah. Side, right? I forgot about well, that guy. Right. Remember John Brennan and, and Mike Morrell? They'll come into play later because they were part of the what people call the 51, actually the 60 mostly CIA officers that covered for the Hunter Biden laptop. But we're not there yet. Let's keep going. We're going to first focus on the FBI and the DOJ. Well, who's over at the FBI that launches prior hurricane? Jim Comey. Who else? The general counsel of the FBI at the time, James Baker. Who else? Bill Names, Bill Priestap, Pete Strzok, Joe Pianca III, Lisa Page, just to name it, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general at the DOJ. They had to approve and participate in all this, right? Brian Otten, supervisory intelligence agent. That was the lead intel analyst for Crossfire Hurricane and all the, all the subordinate investigations. So the spying on Trump campaign and Flynn and Papadopoulos and Carter Page and Paul Manafort, those were the four sub-ops. What did they use as predicate to launch that investigation? It wasn't a criminal investigation. It was a counterintelligence investigation under the auspices of what, Mark? Let's go back to 1973 and 1978. What do you think? <laughs> Russia, Russia, Russia. Let's do what we can to bind up this candidate with a BS argument that he is somehow an actor for someone else. When at the exact for same it. Yep. Bring we in have the foreign, foreign intelligence interference. surveillance yeah. court. Yeah. And who is on the foreign intelligence surveillance court? I mean, it's random, right? It doesn't matter because John Roberts appointed them all. So a a strong assumption. I mean, I, I want to ask you, would you agree that the assumption is that those judges have some sort of sense of loyalty to the person that appointed them? I think that's that's accurate. And by the way, let's let's not forget that the former director of the FBI, as you say, the FBI, Herbert Hoover kept book on everyone. Who do you think got that book when he died? Right. It's it's the cultural norm at that organization. Right. So we also have the senior executive service, which most people have no idea what that is. These are people who have been leeching off of the government tit for decades. They're, quote, indispensable. These are people who they get things done. Well, okay, so let's slow down a second. Who do they get things done for? Do they get things done for the people? The higher up. I think Kelvin Coolidge. Place. Kelvin, I'm a Kelvin Coolidge fan, by the way. You work at the discretion of the chief magistrate of the nation. You have no right to a so-called, air quotes, job. You work at the pleasure of the chief magistrate of the nation. You can be dismissed in the moment. So what they've done is they've created this so-called society that, you know, you can vote. And we're going to pat you on the head 
and we're going to tell you what the results are and you need to move on. I think that this sounds so much like Star Wars to invoke a, these are not the drones you're not, you're looking for. This is the exact thing that the people of America are revolting against. They know right. that what, those what I'm laying out power are not there legitimately. Right. The, what I'm laying out of what you know put together of what happened over the last 50 years, it's literally the collective knowledge of the one million people that showed up on January 6th and why they were there. They were right. disgusted that yet another time the 50-year disgusting rot toxic behavior of an illegal and illegitimate uh, individuals and then institutions, we're going to do it yet again. Yep. Exactly. We're almost there. We're almost there. Okay. So oh. let's, let's move. 2016. Past, let's move past uh, the historical reverend reference. Yeah. I'm going to do 2016 to 2020 in like a minute. Okay. okay. Speed dial. Go ahead. Speed dial. So crossfire hurricanes launched, right? Who launches it? Well, I already talked about those individuals. That's I argue that Mike Pence had to have known at a minimum that that was occurring. And he had to probably through his network of friends, such as his former staffers and then chief of staff ended up, his wife, Catherine Seaman, ended up working for folks like Andrew McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI. And they were communicating with his chief of staff, um, What's his name? Joshua Pitcock. So Mike Pence knows, I argue, almost certainly knows that this spying on Trump is going on in order to keep him in the box to create the necessary leverage over him, which the RNC and Republicans don't have to this point. Trump has all the leverage because they have nothing over him. They had to create something over him and they were complicit, both parties, the duopoly, to create that leverage. So then what do they have to do first? They have to remove the very first person that can expose their illegal spying on Trump through the illegal, unlawful, unpredicated FISA warrant that was approved by Judge uh, on Carter Page, which allowed them to look into the entire campaign so that they could follow it. Enter 2017, January 24th. Jim Comey sends over Peter Strzok and Joe Pienka III to interview General Flynn, four days into his time as National Security Advisor, to, according to Bill Priestap, do we get him on the lie or do we get him to, or we get him fired? What's the purpose of this interview, according here to you, the notes? And here you have an American patriot, General Mike Flynn, who, rightly or wrongly, believes that we're all playing on the same America first team. Mm -hmm. These people engaged in something that quite frankly, I think should have been covered by fruit of the poisonous tree. They lied to Mike Flint. They lied to him saying, Oh, you don't need counsel. We're just going to have a conversation. They lied to him. He believed that because they were all playing, air quotes, for the same team, and that would be Team America, that would be right. the, the team of he the He was the guy people. that would have been able to immediately I will tell you, identify I know Mike the Flynn, illegal spying. 
and I, I will tell you, I know Mike Flynn, I, I, I think at a fairly personal level, this man is dedicated to serving the interests of people outside of himself. Mm-hmm. Do not let that be a lofty thought. Mike, Mike Pence is not even on the same stage as Mike Flynn. Mike He's Flynn not the same universe. Not even the same universe. General Michael Flynn deserves the admiration and respect. And I hope that this is is memorialized in perpetuity. The American people had a superhero who stepped up. And after he got essentially BS'd by an organization that he thought he was working for the American people with, This man has been persecuted unjustly. And those people who have done this, man, I hate to invoke this, but you will sleep for eternity in Hades because of what you have done to this man who did nothing more than seek to serve the people of the United States. This is the proof that I offer up that evil has descended upon the United States in a manner that you and I cannot even describe with words. This is a Jezebel Ahab time that we are in. They had to, they expected all their illegal activity was going to be okay because he wasn't going to win. Right. And then next thing you know, they have to now cover up the original cover up with the spine. And then the way they cover it up. This is actually a Watergate moment. This is like, okay, the cover-up was actually worse than the crime. No, the crime was bad enough, but the cover-up is so pervasive. It's egregious, now and it gets worse. The apparatus of government, Molly Ball in her article in, in Time, which frankly is a piece of bullshit trash, but she did out. Yeah, we're, we committed a coup, and we're proud of it. So here's where here's where I summarize the remaining three like three four years. So 2017 they remove Flynn, and then they do what? When Jim Comey is fired by Trump, Pence, Chris Christie, excuse me, Pence at the behest of the Bush cabal and Cheney cabal, because remember Pence's role model for VP is Cheney, and he says it publicly. You can look that up. He basically says, "Well, why don't you?" Uh, President Trump, why don't you hire, um, what's his name, Robert Mueller to be the FBI director? And then when Pe- when Trump says no, what happens the very next day, May of 2017? Mueller is appointed as special counsel by Rod Rosenstein. Rod Rosenstein was appointed by George W. Bush as the U.S. attorney for Maryland in Baltimore. Okay? He is and was the longest standing U.S. attorney in American history, or I don't know if American history, but at the time, he went from Bush through Obama into Trump. Longest serving U.S. attorney that actually remained the only one of the 94 U.S. attorneys in the country that remained after Bush through Obama into Trump. 
who later became the deputy attorney general. And he appointed Robert Mueller to be special counsel so that they could manage the release of the limited, they, you know, through limited hangouts to continue to keep the corrupt scheme going so that people wouldn't persecute or I should say prosecute those that illegally spied on the Trump campaign. And then after that, Robert Mueller comes out with this thing. It's a nothing burger. And the very next day, the Eric Cheramella, Sean Misko, and the crew, the Vinman brothers, go over to Adam Schiff to then create the oh whistleblower Ukraine, Ukraine, rogue Ukraine for the impeachment one hoax. And then fast forward to November, excuse me, March of 2020. Who becomes the COVID ta- White House COVID task force lead? And when he says, me, 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 Mr. President, I want to take over the COVID task force. Mikey Pence. So Remember let me that? stop you there for a second. Uh, it would be worth um, constituents to examine how much money did Mike Pence get from Pfizer? That's a good Pfizer question to have, because when you're the COVID task force lead, you're doling out the contracts on which states get which That's ventilators. My That's my which point. Which states get the, the, the remdesivir. Remember, Pence is the supervisor of Fauci and Burks. Right. And That's guess my who point. the shadow governor is? That's the shadow governor point. helping out with that is Jared Kushner. That's my point. So you now have... In fact, um, thank thank heavens for Dr. David Martin. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. If you have not seen yep. his, 30, if you haven't seen his thirty minute screed on Pfizer and the, uh, I mean, we are at we are at a place where Nuremberg has been eclipsed by the United States of America CDC. Oh, full stop. These people. Know I argue all roads lead to Mikey P. This, Everything these, that I just talked about, Mike Pence provided top cover for, from the these, Mullers to the Rod Rosensteins to the impeachment hoax one to the impeachment hoax two. I, I need somebody to prove me wrong. And that is, so uh, thank you for asking that question. Here is where we're at today. We have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that our government has been usurped by nefarious actors. It is now incumbent upon the government to prove us wrong. And they got nothing. They got absolutely nothing. Because why? Because we got the receipts. David Martin, in his 30-minute I told you so speech, a number of years ago, I think it was 10 years ago, he sat in the seat that he was sitting in most recently And said, look, I told you, Anthony Fauci and all the people in CDC, NIH, all all the government letters, I told you what was coming. It has now arrived. These individuals have committed treason against the Constitution of the United States and the people who are protected by it. So 
Let's move on to let's 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 try and get past Mike Pence because we already know what Mike Pence did. But if you want to recap on that that space between January fifth midnight and January, I was on mute. I was going to interject. It went from two weeks to stop the spread to two years of perpetual coup attempts. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, finished off on January sixth with a temporarily successful coup. So here's here's something that you brought to my attention, with, which I think is critically important for people to know. And and it was an epiphany to me when you asked the question. So where was the quorum? So Under, I think we need to. I think we're gonna have to discuss that at the next episode. Okay. Well, maybe this is the teaser. Uh, where was the, the context? Do we have a legitimately formed government in power today? And perhaps well, we'll have to find that out the next episode, because as we step you through from November 3rd of 2020 into January 6th on how full stop, we currently have an illegitimate executive branch. And I'll step you through it constitutionally at the state level, all the way through with obviously vice president, presiding officer, and then the, the parliamentary coup that took place on January 6th with this with its subsequent cover up, which is continuing to this day. So perhaps we. Pick this up in the next episode of my Substack podcast. Thank you very much, Ivan. I appreciate your time. Yep. And maybe we can pick this up later in the week. Okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Very good. All God right. bless you and have a good All night. God bless.